Good morning, church. As Colin mentioned, my name is Ardeen. If we haven't met, it's nice to yeah, meet you. Um, and as yeah, Colin mentioned, I'm married to Quinton. We've been married for going on five years now. And yeah, we've got a little one, a baby boy um, named Arlo, who's about almost 10 months. So yeah, we've been experiencing the trenches of motherhood this year, or parenthood. <laughs> um, so yeah, most of the time I'm actually in the mom's room or walking around in the foyer. Um, if we haven't met. <laughs> but yeah, this morning I am privileged to yeah, kickstart us off on our new series. It's called How Glorious Is Our God? And we are going to be taking a break from our In His um, Image series, and we are going to be looking at the book of Psalm. And this morning I'm going to be sharing with you um, Psalm 139. And as I was um, preparing for this morning and I was yeah, looking into this topic of how glorious is our God and just praying over it, I really felt that God was um, saying that there are people in this congregation that, um, yeah, maybe you've been going through quite a, a series of tough times. We've gone, just come out of COVID, and maybe you just from then haven't gotten your rhythm. You, you get, your family's been sick, or work, or financially you've been struggling. And maybe you're just struggling to, to even um, acknowledge that God is glorious. You don't even have time to, to think about that. Your, your circumstances has clouded your, your, your ability and your capability to, to see who God is. And I just felt like this morning, He is wanting to just come and breathe new life into us. He is just wanting to come and um, yeah, give you a new revelation of who he is. And this is particularly true for me as well, because this year, as I mentioned, it's been, yeah, I've been adjusting to motherhood. And, you know, your first year of motherhood, you're trying to just um, yeah, figure out how do you get to the laundry and cleaning the house and trying to raise a little a child, keep him fed and, and somehow yeah, get, keep him happy. Um, that sometimes you, you are a bit in survival mode and you don't really always get to, to yeah, just stop and ponder on this thought of, God, you are glorious. And so today, as we kickstart the series, God is wanting to come do something new. And so would you open up your hearts and would you allow God to come speak to you? Um, because he's wanting to speak to each and every single person here today. And so, yeah, I'm going to be reading out of the book of Psalms 139. Um, I'm going to, yeah, just kickstart us off by reading it. Um, you can follow on the screen. You can follow in your Bibles. Otherwise, yeah, just close your eyes and meditate as I read. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind, and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden for you, from you when I was made in the secret place, 
when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed body. All the days ordained to me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and detest those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Sure. <laughs> I feel like, as they say, you can, I can drop the mic and just walk off the stage <laughs> because I feel like the psalm just speaks for itself. It's such a beautiful psalm, and yo, how do you even do justice to it? But I guess since we're all gathered here today, let me yeah, pray for us and let me see what I can do. <laughs> yeah, Lord, I just I say thank you for your word. Thank you that we can yeah, gather here today, Lord, and thank you that you're wanting to speak to each and every single one of us. Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would yeah, speak through me. Um, yeah, Lord, I know that my words aren't eloquent, but I thank you, Lord, that you are going to speak through me. You are going to give me the words just like you did with Moses. And so today, Lord, would you come and open our hearts? Would you put aside any distractions? And would you really just come and meet with each and every single one of your children here today? That nobody would leave this room having, not having had a new revelation of who you are, Lord. Would we marvel in your gloriousness and really just leave you feeling um, uplifted, Lord? Come breathe new life into us. I pray this in your name. Amen. And so, yeah, we've just read Psalm 139, and this is a psalm that was written by David. And there was quite a lot being said, so let's have a quick overview of what David is saying in this psalm. He is saying that God is omniscient, that God, he knows everything. We see that he says God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. And then he says, God, you are a creator. You created everything. Let us start off by looking at the first few verses and digging in a little bit deeper. And so it says, you have searched me and you know me. David is saying, you know what I'm thinking, you know what I'm doing, you know what I'm going to say, even before I do. And the interesting thing here for me is, it says, you've searched me and you know me. And so why does God search if he knows what he's going to find? And I think this is because God doesn't want to deny himself the delight of searching every part of you. He doesn't just want to know you. He wants to see you. He wants to know all your thoughts. He wants to see every action you do. And he wants to know every word. If you're like me, or the ladies in the room, they say that we speak about 10,000 words in a day. And so when my husband gets home from work, um, or a lot of the time, it's just before we're about to go to bed, my 10,000 words come out, and I, he, he would say, I'm bubbling, and then I'm processing my day, and I'm talking, and I'm talking, and I'm talking, and I can see at some point, he just, I ask a question, and he glazes, like he's, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I stop, and I've asked him a question, and you can see he's, okay, buffering, buffering, what has she just said? <laughs> what has she just said? Um, 
And then he, yeah, he has to try reply. But shame, in his defense, that he is tired. We're about to go to bed. It's the wrong time. But what we see here is that God, he wants to know all your 10,000 words. He wants to hear every single word that you have to say, every single thought you want to process from the day. That is our God. And how incredible is that? And so there's this another incredible fact that we get from this is that if we are fully seen and fully known, then God never misjudges us. He never wrongly interprets what we, we say or what we do. We are fully understood. Our inmost thoughts are perfectly understood by God's impartial mind. Have you ever felt misunderstood? You say something and somebody takes it the wrong way, or your intentions are good and you try to do something nice for somebody, but it's, yeah, you just get ridiculed for it. But not with God. And sometimes we are misunderstood even by not even strangers, but people who know us, our family, our friends, our spouses. But when we feel misunderstood, God, he understands because he fully knows us. He fully understands us. But then I want to, I almost want to throw a spanner in the works with this thought that we are fully seen and fully known. Is it only a comfort to be searched and known by God when we are innocent? Because for me, this is a, a scary thought. Because I know I'm not innocent. There are so many times I get it wrong. I'm selfish. I'm impatient. And then there's load shedding. But our thoughts towards load shedding don't count, right? <laughs> Speaking about load shedding, um, two weeks ago, I was under immense work pressure. I just had so much to get done. And yeah, my week was just packed. And so I had to plan it to the T just to get through everything. And when you have a little baby under the one, um, you have this very, very small window where you can actually do something productive. And so Arlo, our son, had just, yeah, he slept perfect. We're in this good space. He's, he's fed. He's happy. And load shedding is about to kick in, so I'm going to go out. I'm going to go get my work done. I'm going to be productive. And so I pack our bags. I walk to the garage, and I push the button to open the door, and it won't open. I tap the remote, there must be a problem with this battery, push the button again, and the door won't open. And I realize this is load shedding, has just kicked in literally seconds as I've left the door, and something has gone wrong with the battery, and so I can't, it's, it's stuck. I can't get into the garage, so I can't get to my car, I can't go drive and go do my work, and, I, and, my, and my work is also in the car, so I can't even take it and go sit in the house and do my work. And so now my plans are failed. It's, it's going completely wrong. And it's like this volcano eruption just comes out of me. I, I am so angry. I'm fuming. I'm raging because now my plans are messed up. And a long, long time after this whole incident, it takes me a lot of time just to calm down. I sit there and I feel very ashamed. I feel so ashamed that the fact that a situation that requires just a little bit of patience could get me so worked up that actually there was so much anger inside of me that I didn't even know was there. And so in that moment, I don't want to be seen and known by anybody, let alone God. And so I ask this thought, is it only a comfort to be searched and known by God when we are innocent? Because what happens when our thoughts and our actions and our words are sinful? Don't we rather just want to go sit in a little corner and not be seen and rather just hide? And so we see this. We see this is true for Adam and Eve. After they eat from this forbidden tree that they're not supposed to, 
what do they do? They hide. And, and if anybody has to hide, I would say it, is, it would be David. And now we, we don't know when the psalm was written. We don't know where David was in his life. But we know the full story of David. We know the things that he would do. And so I would say if anybody wants to hide, it would be David. Because, yeah, because before, if, if David is fully seen and fully known, before he stands on that rooftop and he watches Bathsheba bathing down below, God knew. And before he gets his servant to call her and bring her up to his room, God knew. And before he tries to cover up this whole incident, now that she's pregnant, he tries to get her husband home from battle, which it fails. And then he, he orders that her husband get sent to the front line of battle so that he would be killed to cover up this pregnancy. God knew. God knew everything would happen before he even did. And so in reality, as I read this psalm, I can't help but wonder that thought about when it says, Lord, the fact that I'm fully seen and fully known, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the darkness, you are there. And so I can't help but read this and wonder, maybe this isn't being said in a comforting way, Maybe it is really being said as a Lord, where can I go that you aren't, that I can actually just go and sit and hide because I don't want to be fully seen. And is this not true in our lives? Do we, yeah, I think we don't really want to be fully seen and fully known by anyone, let alone by God. Because there is so much stuff inside of us that we, yeah, we don't want to expose. We like the fact that we can live a private life we like the fact that we can rock up at work or maybe it is at church. And nobody has to know the things that we've said or done this week. We can put a smile on our faces and nobody has to know the fact that we just had a massive fight in the car with our spouses. Or maybe we lost our patience and we shouted at the kids. Maybe we lost our temper and swore and raged in the traffic. There's a lot of sin inside of our hearts. And we can try and push this volcano down and down, but it is only time until it erupts. And so Tim Keller shares this thought with us. He says that there is no refuge from God, only refuge in Him. There is no refuge from God, only refuge in Him. And these are two very strong statements because there is no refuge from God. God is light. He is all around us and nothing is hidden to him. But then there's also this other fact that there is refuge in God. And we read this in the Psalms often. Time and time again, it says, the Lord is my refuge and my strength. And so how do we go from finding this, this fearing fact that we are fully exposed by a God, that there is no refuge from him, to actually finding comfort and peace in the fact that we can take refuge from him? Let's look at David, because somehow David seems to shift his perspective. In the beginning of the psalm, he says, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You are familiar with all my ways. And then at the end of the psalm, he ends off by saying, Lord, would you search me? Would you know me? Would you know my heart? Would you test me and yeah, know my anxious thoughts? Would you see if there's anything offensive in me? And so here he is saying, God, not only can you know me, would you know my heart? 
And our hearts is that place where we keep things most hidden. And so he's inviting God in. And then it says, Lord, would you know, not only know my thoughts, but would you know my anxious thoughts? And so here he is sharing his vulnerabilities. And then it says, Lord, would you see if there's anything offensive in me, any offensive way in me? And so not only is God now familiar with these ways, he is now asking God to check if there's anything offensive. And so he's opening himself up to accountability. And then he ends off by saying, Lord, would you lead me in the way everlasting? And so not only is he asking, Lord, would you search me? Would you know me? He's saying, Lord, would you lead me? And so how does David go from fearing being known to embracing it? And I think the answer lies within the verses before this. Because I think what happens is as the psalm progresses, David realizes three things. He realizes, one, that God, not only do you know everything, you know everything about me. And God, not only are you everywhere, you are everywhere with me. And lastly, God, not only have you created everything, you have created everything about me. Isn't that an incredible thought, that God is all around us? In the scripture, it says, you hem me in behind and before. And a hem is a protective barrier, and so God surrounds us fully. Not only does he go before us, he's behind us, and he's alongside us. Do you ever feel lonely or unseen? If this is the case, God is with you. In a crowd of thousands, God wouldn't miss you. He sees you. He acknowledges you. Our son Arlo, when he was about six months old, he would get um, separation anxiety. And so when I would leave the room, he would just start crying. And so um, if I would leave the room, we've got an open plan house, so it would literally just be from the lounge to the kitchen. I would quickly go to the kitchen, and as I leave the room, I would speak to him just to reassure him, I'm here, I'm here, I'm not leaving you. But sometimes he would get so worked up to the fact that he just saw me leaving that he's crying so frantically that he can't actually hear me reassuring him that I am there. And how often is this the case with God? We are so hung up with the fact that we cannot visibly see him that we can't hear his voice. We can't hear him saying, my child, I am here. I am just in the next room. God is with you. You are never lonely. You are never unseen. And then we see this thing about God speaking about him being a creator and creating us. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And so our inmost um, being is our soul, and knitting us together is our body. And so God creates our body and our souls. And then it goes further, and it says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so not only does God create your body and your soul, he creates all your days, your past, your present, your future. He's created it all. And not only does he create your days, he ordains it. And so there is purpose. There is not one day that you would live that you are not supposed to. And so God gives purpose to our breaths. He gives purpose to our beating heart. You are not an accident. Do you know what peace that should give us? 
And if God is with us every day, if he's given purpose to our days, then there is not one day that you would face that God hasn't already been in. And so if you are waiting anxiously for test results, maybe to come in from the doctor, maybe you're waiting to find out if you got the job, maybe you were stressed and worried, what college is my child going to get into? Whatever anxiousness you are facing that day, God knows about it. He has already lived that day. And so you can face the day with confidence, knowing that God, you have been in this day, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you know the way, and I have nothing to fear. And so today we can look at the scripture with even more insight and, and see the scripture with so much more um, power because we know more than David. We have seen the whole story. David, um, he, he, when he wrote this passage, he, he knew that God, you created me, you know me, you're all around me, but he didn't know what God was going to do. He doesn't see the end picture. He doesn't see that God redeems his people. And so today, when we look at the scripture, we can have so much more excitement. We can find so much more courage in it. Because God doesn't just know us. He doesn't just search us and see these flaws. He doesn't just leave us there. He makes a plan. And that plan that he makes is his son, Jesus Christ. He sends his son, the light of the world. And Jesus he, he's exposed. He hangs on a cross and he dies a criminal death. In God's word, it tells us that um, God forsakes him on this cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God's face turns away from Jesus in that moment. And we are told that the sun stops shining. And in that um, song that we sang today, All Hail King Jesus, it says, the darkest day in history. And that is what it was. Jesus takes on our darkness. It becomes the darkest day in history. And what do we get in return? We get this God that is described in Psalm 139. A God whose presence we can never flee. A God that is always present. A God that hems us in behind and before. A God that fully surrounds us. A God that knows our every thought, our every action, our every word. And not only does he know that, he has paid a price for that thought, that word, and that action. And so that in his all-searching and in his all-knowing, he doesn't have to look away. We can remain in his presence because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul Tripp, in his book called A Dangerous Calling, he, he quotes this so beautifully. He says, you do not need to f be afraid of what is in your heart you don't have to fear being known because there is nothing in you that could ever be exposed that hasn't already been covered by the precious blood of Jesus, or your King um, Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? And so in this thing where there is no refuge from God, we don't have to be a, a fear being exposed. A story I love so much that actually embodies this so much more is a story in Luke and it is a story about a man called Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was um, a, a tax collector. We are told that he's a chief um, tax collector. And in those days, tax collectors were really despised because they would exhort people, they would steal from the poor, they would take their money, even from the vulnerable. But Zacchaeus, he hears that Jesus is coming. Um, he's coming to the town, and he wants to see Jesus. And so Zacchaeus goes and he climbs up to this 
tree and he waits there for Jesus. And as Jesus approaches the tree, instead of walking past the tree, he stops, he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I am coming to your house. And what Jesus is saying is firstly, he's calling him by name, Zacchaeus. And he's telling him, come down, come down from this tree. You do not need to hide. Come down, come see my face. And not only are you going to see my face, you are going to dwell in my presence because I am coming to your house. I'm coming to the pla your place that is your innermost courts. And how does Zacchaeus respond? Zacchaeus responds with the heart of repentance. He says, Lord, I'm going to, or if I've ever cheated anybody, I'm going to pay them back four times. And what I'm also going to do is I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. And so here he comes and he responds. Because his darkness cannot stand in the light of Jesus Christ. It cannot stand in his presence. And so Zacchaeus goes from hiding to being seen and to finding salvation. And so here we see David too. He turns to God. He's saying, God, you are my creator. You have seen my past. You've seen my present. You see my future. You know all the things I'm going to do. Vessel once said something in a preach that has stuck with me. And he said, what if our biggest failures, or our biggest failure, or our sin, hasn't even been committed yet? Isn't that a scary thought? That we might still fail. Our biggest failure can still be up ahead. And with that thought, David, when David was a little boy, when he was a little shepherd in the field, a man after God's own heart, he wouldn't know the things that he would be capable of. He didn't know the sins that he was still going to commit. And so in those moments, his biggest failures were still ahead of him. And so David is saying, God, would you search me? Would you know my heart? And would you see if there's anything offensive in me? Would you lead me in the way everlasting? Because the road is long and I cannot see what is to come. It's like that appliance that you have in your house and you've had this thing for years. Maybe it's your phone or, or an app. And somebody just walks in, and in my case, it's my husband, who just pushes a button and all of a sudden, whatever, the toast or something does something that I didn't even know existed. Uh, maybe it's your two-year-old that pushes something on your phone and there's yeah, an app that just opens up. Um, but this is what it's like with God. He, he has the user manual for our lives. He knows what you are capable of. He knows your strengths. He knows your flaws. And so would you invite him in to say, Lord, you know me best. Would you help me understand myself? Because I think if we are honest, we don't know ourselves sometimes. I think sometimes we scare ourselves or we, we surprise ourselves by the things that we can do and the things that we can say. And so here we are saying, God, you've seen my past, you see my present, and you see my future. And so would you help me? Help me understand myself. Help me and lead me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Help me lead a life that is pleasing to you. Help me to walk in your ways. And I can't help but wonder if maybe this is what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. 
to walk in faith in God, a God that sees it all, and not in sight, not by our sight, not by our circumstances, not by what we know. Proverbs 3 also tells us that we should trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust God with all your heart. I want to just end off by reading something um, that was written by Paul Tripp. He, um, he takes this Psalm 139 and he rewrites it in his own words. And I just want to read this for us because I just think it's such a beautiful, yeah, just a beautiful way of explaining this. And you can read on the screen with me. It says, It is a haunting and glorious thought. Nothing is hidden from you. You see me on the mountain peak, in the lowest valley, in the forest density, slipping between urban towers, sliding behind my desk, walking alone, opening the door, leave something behind, propelled across oceans, once again at home, pulling the covers over me, sitting before that glowing screen, huddled in quiet thought. No location hidden, no action unseen, never lost in the crowd. It often haunts me that I am always exposed, always under the unceasing watch of your righteous eyes. There is no hiding place, no escape from your holy presence. But your eye on me is also my eternal comfort. You look on me with eyes of a father, always guiding, always protecting, always providing, always preparing the way. You see my burdens and my grieving. You see my laughter and my rejoicing. You see my doubt and my fearing. You know my hopes and my dreaming. You hear my praise and my weeping. I know you see me and care for me. So when I feel exposed by your holy eyes, I will remember that Jesus is my righteousness. And when I feel alone, I will bask in the comfort of knowing your eyes watch over me. And in your watching, there is safety. Isn't that just beautiful? That we can find safety in God. And when we hear that quote about there is no refuge from God, only refuge in Him, we can take comfort because He is our refuge. Because not only is there a God that sees us and knows us, He fully accepts us and He fully loves what He sees. And so today God is inviting us and I just want to end off by praying for us. I want to, yeah, there's two prayers that I just want to pray today. Um, one, that maybe you are here today and you are still exploring the claims of Christ. And maybe today, yeah, you have never accepted that invitation to have a relationship with a God that sees you and knows you, but also a God that fully accepts you and loves every part of you. And today, God wants to give you that opportunity to accept Him, to accept this relationship with Him, to take refuge in Him. And so I'm going to ask everybody just to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask that if you find yourself in that position, if you find yourself in a place that you're saying, God, I want to accept this invitation, 
I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, not as a way to embarrass you, but just as a way to say, Lord, this is me stepping out and I'm, I'm taking on this invitation that you are giving me. And so if that is you this morning, would you raise your hand in faith so we can pray for you? And if your heart is beating quickly, that's also the Holy Spirit that's speaking. Thank you so much. And then there's a second prayer that I want to pray today. Maybe today you find yourself in a position that you, you do believe in God. You have accepted Him. But today you want to respond. You want to respond to the message that He is speaking to you today. There's a prompting in your heart. Maybe today you need to come in repentance. Maybe today you need to say, Lord, I want to fully take refuge in you. I am done hiding. And so today, would you, with all eyes closed, would you also put up your hand and respond today? And this is a moment that you can, like Zacchaeus, either you can stay up in the tree, or today you can come down and you can meet with God. And so would you take this opportunity? Would you take this invitation where God is saying, I love you, come take refuge in me? And so with all eyes closed today, would you raise your hand? Would you accept this invitation? Thank you so much for everyone who's put up their hand. I'm going to pray for us. Um, And as I pray, the worship team, if you want to come up, you can do so, so long. Yeah, Father, we just say thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you see us, you know us, and that today there is no part of us, Lord, that has to be hidden from you. Thank you that we can come fully, Lord, and know that you love us, you accept us, Thank you just for that beautiful reality, Jesus, that we can find refuge in you. And so today, I pray for those who have put up their hand that want to know you, Father, those who want to accept you for the first time. Lord, today we pray with them, and we ask, Lord, that you would come into their hearts. Would you come into their hearts and be their Lord and their Savior, Father? I pray, Jesus, that they would give control over to you that they would give their life over to you, Lord, and in faith they would trust you, Lord, that you would walk with them, that you would lead them on the way everlasting. And then today, Lord, I pray for those who know you, Father, but for a long time they've been hiding. Maybe there's been parts of their lives that, um, or parts of their lives that they don't want to expose to you, Lord, and today they say, Lord, I open up my heart, I open up my life. Would you know my heart? Would you know my anxious thoughts? Would you see if there's any offensive way in me, Lord? And would you lead me? And so today, Lord, we pray for each and every single person here today, that they would find refuge in you, Lord. And Father, I also just want to pray for those who feel unseen, for those who have been in a season of just surviving, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that today you want to take them just from surviving. You want to to cause them to thrive, Lord. You want what is best for them, Lord. You want a life that is flourishing, Father. Thank you today that you are calling them and saying, I see you. In a crowd, I see you. Nothing goes unseen. Nothing goes unnoticed. I am your God. I see you. I know you. I love you. And I am with you. And so today, would you cause our eyes to look upon your glory? And can our hearts exclaim, how glorious is our God? Because Jesus, sometimes our circumstances cloud that. 
Sometimes we get so wrapped up in what is going on around us that we forget to acknowledge that you are a God that not only sees us, but you are glorious, Lord, that you are light. And so today, thank you, Father, that you're wanting to come shine your light upon us, that our darkness cannot stand in your light. Thank you, Father, that we can be in your presence. Thank you that your Holy Spirit and for what Jesus has done today, Lord, dying on the cross for us, we can stand in your presence. And so today, would you come and speak to every single person? Would you come lay a new revelation on their heart, Father? And as we just sing in response, would you just come and make yourself known, Jesus? Come breathe new life into us. I pray this in your name. Amen.